Welcome to episode 12. We are speaking with Joni Snare, a physiotherapist here in Nova Scotia. In this episode, we discuss the impact the pandemic had on home care and long-term care, physiotherapist's role in chronic and acute injuries, making rehab fun, and building rehab into your everyday life. I want to thank Joni for being on, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Well, this business, I mostly see older adults and then the hockey mom crew, right? <laughs> People in my age, like the 35 to 50 group that are like with the aches and pains. So they're great. They're short-term clients. And then the older adults are usually like once a week forever because they're working balance and mobility and strengthening balls and Maintaining stuff. their independence. They're living their life. Yeah. And enjoying that. What made you get started in this line? Um, in in home care? Yeah, or? in home care. Well, the pandemic hit, and I had two kids, no home, no uh, dog care. And I was working at, we were, um, I was working in the largest um, uh, long-term care facility, and that was where the big outbreak happened in Halifax. And so... As a single mom, I was stuck with the idea of going back to work and being completely independent, having no childcare. My biggest crutch was my father and stepmother, and they were really hesitant to take care of the kids while I was at work when I was working just with the work because we didn't know anything about COVID then. Yeah. Um, so I took a short-term leave of absence, and um, that was in was it late April. And by the time school started in September, again, everything back to kind of normal, but so, back to semi our routine, normal. like kids went to school and came home. Um, I just didn't want to go back to work and uh, so many people that needed supports in their home. So, and at that point, people were really determined not to be in long-term care, state of the hospital system altogether. So I started this business and, um, Doing physiotherapy from home is a bit different. So most people think of physiotherapy traditionally as like shoulder, neck, back pain, do your machines, you do your exercises, you get feeling better. But my time at the long-term care facilities and in hospitals, I saw a variety of all kinds of conditions. Um, strokes, Parkinson's, muscular dystrophy, MS, ALS, along with Everybody had arthritis and back pain as well, right? So um, very, very complicated cases. So when I went into somebody's home, I could see their environment and help them get better, more independent, and simple things. Like if there was a rug that kept on slipping, talk to them about taking it back. They needed a grabber in their bathroom. Um, doing exercises for home care that families could help them, you know, doing sheets up and put, putting them up somewhere logical where they could see it and developing little routines. Like I've never been a big fan of the three sheets of exercises because quite frankly, I don't want to do them. Why would my clients want to do them? <laughs> yes. Um, I want to do something that's fun. So, um, you know, just simple things. Like if somebody was working on balance, could they do their heel raises while they were waiting for their microwave to go or their kettle to boil or something like that? So building them into their day. Um, and and just letting them enjoy their life again, right? So, um, I mean, one of my favorite stories when I was working on Jim Care, we had this 
some old, older man, very frail, and stage cardiac disease. And he was coming into the gym with me. We had a volunteer that had worked at a boxing club. His wife taught there and he trained there. And we found out that this gentleman, this older man, had been a boxer when he was in his 20s. And so we were just doing seated boxing. So in terms of physio, very great. So he's working on sitting balance. He's working coordination, memory, um, crossing midline, reaching outside of his space of support, all these therapeutic things. But the man could do combos that I couldn't remember. And he he said it was the first time he had boxing gloves on in you know, 50, 60 years. And the smile on his face, like, um, and this is a man with end-stage cardiac. I think he might have even had a pacemaker. You're bringing like, the enjoyment to exercise. Like, it doesn't have to be, here's, you know, three sets of ten of <laughs> external shoulder rotation. Like, find something that you enjoy. And he clearly found something that he loved. Yeah, we did it. Like, we were doing cardiac rehab, really, on yeah. him because the faster he went. And, I mean, I'm glad that the volunteer was there because I was just getting into kickboxing. So, like, I kind of knew what a jab and a hook was, but I couldn't come up with combos. And he was just, like, pounding. Like, I wouldn't say pounding. He was touching the pads. But yeah. he was doing it in the way that he used to, like, he was in the ring when he was in his 20s, right? Like, and this, this man who's, if you've ever been to long-term care, they try their best. They really do. But bingo and meals is some of the most exciting things that happen there, right? So they don't have um, that enjoyment we have in life, like, you know, seeing, you know, feeling the sun on their faces and, you know, you know, petting a puppy or playing with a little child or whatever. So like long-term care people, like the rec team was really good about trying to incorporate those things in, but that would be, it wouldn't be every day. It would be, um, and then with the pandemic, I don't even want to get into how limited things were for people in missing holidays with family because they weren't out of their rooms because somebody had a positive tap way down. Oh, so the whole floor shut down for two weeks, right? Like, these are, are things that, I mean, everybody now knows what isolation feels like, right? We yes. all kind of had at least a dose of not being able to do something because of something outside of our control. So, um, I know the gentleman that runs CAR, Bill Van Gore, cites, I think he said 95% of older adults want to age in place, which means they want to stay in their own home and don't want to go into a long-term care or a, a facility. So if you can bring somebody like me into the facility, into their home, and teach them a few simple things, keep them moving, keep them laughing, and um, I did take my Amrick Hansen accessibility training, so that mm -hmm. was three months through um, Vancouver Community College and because I'm not an occupational therapist traditionally that would be what the OT would do in the healthcare system is they would go in and do accessibility so I wanted to get more information on that so now I'm very confident to say the grab bar goes here this is the type of equipment you need you know everybody that I walk go go into their house I'm walking through their bathroom make sure that they have a handheld shower and you know a mat with little suction cups so they don't fall and you know, I've had more than one person this month get in and out of the tub to show me how they do it so that's safe and problem solving around that so so they can stay home and maintain their again their independence and also linking them with other people in the community that can help so um I always give uh, a little shout out to caregiver Nova Scotia 
fantastic organization that links you with basically anything and anything in the community that would need to help take care of somebody. So they, and all the continuum, right? So all the way from birth all the way up into palliative care. So I work with them relatively closely because they're the go-to. Like I'm learning where things are. Yeah. Um, you need to link up with and talk to. It's hard though. It's really hard because I worked in a long-term care facility where the occupational therapy team and the dietary team were within like, you know, 30 seconds from my office. And we, it, it took a struggle to go and sit with them and go through cases and work together. And they're right on site. And there's only one team. Yes. Now I'm in the community and I'm working out of six or seven different communities. Everything's different. And so it's even more um, scattered. And yeah. how do you find out like all the different physicians and what community sports are in? Is there a Lions club that will donate um, equipment to the here? Or do you have to go to a different or churches, whoever? So I've talked to some of the um, MLAs and um, counselors in the area just to try to see what, what's available. I'm now working, uh, volunteering a few times a month at the Sackville Warming Center. So um, that also opens my eye about some of the needs in the community too. It's painting the homeless situation in Sackville that wasn't around when I was growing up here, but I remember anyway. Wasn't as visible as it is right now. Well, housing has become a bit of an issue here in Nova Scotia. Huge, right? Affordable housing. Yeah, if you have money, you're okay, right? But yeah. the vast majority of Nova Scotians can't just go and buy a $500,000 duplex. Like, I moved during the pandemic and um, I got a, a duplex in Zappel for a relatively good price. But three months later, the house down the street with no lot, like, Two bedrooms, you know, small little place, going for half a million dollars. And now interest rates are rising. So, and our vacancy rate in South is zero renting. Mm-hmm. What do you do if you're lease ends? Well, you're stuck because a lot of people ended up selling, if they were renting a second home, they they sold it because they were getting such a good price for it. Right? So a lot of places that were renting... We're no longer renting because they can make such a good coin if they sold the building. And then the rent gets jacked up by the new owner. Yep. So we do have a couple buildings in Sackville going up. Yeah. But I'm sure they're full of it. Oh, I would imagine. They get rented out before the building gets made. And then like West Bedford's blooming, but very high price to get into places. So what do you do? I live out of your car or you move or hope that you have family members that'll take you in. So for you working as a physiotherapist and, and, and billing and insurance, are you still covered by the health authority as a physiotherapist? Like can people bill or do you do personal insurance? Yeah. So I'm a private organization. Um, so if you went and saw a physiotherapist in capital health, you would see them for a set amount of visits and um, wait lists can be quite long, but it's covered under MSI because physiotherapy is in the health act. Yes. Unfortunately, that does not cover anything outside of a hospital setting. So um, my visits would be similar to a clinic. So you can pay um, like cash base 
record, whatever, um, or there is insurance billing as well. So if you have extended medical benefits, then physiotherapy is usually covered. Um, people get somewhere between five and $1,500 a year usually for, for that. Um, but there is a brand new grant. So Barbara Adams, who is our Minister of Seniors and Long-Term Care, who is also a physiotherapist that I used to work with, has now advocated for the Senior Care Grant, which is a $500 free grant to physio members, oh, along with a whole host of other things. So that grant is um, eligible for anybody over 65. You had to meet a threshold for income that I don't have. It's 37500 I think. Um, but now that's open up to physio and like, it used to be for uh, people to come in and do your lawn care and your shoveling and all that kind of stuff, but now it's opened up. So at least get somebody into your home and I can go in, walk around, set you up on a program and get a couple visits at least, right? So, and um, yeah, so that's brand new this year. That's really, that's actually huge given it's that giant. a lot of people don't have insurance coverage when they're older, if they're not working anymore and you don't make enough from your pension to cover extra expenses. And like we said, just the expense of living has increased so much over the last little while that, you know, that money could be easily eaten up quite quickly. But I also challenge people on that. So what is your health worth? Yeah. Do you want your loved one to be in a long-term care facility, which is sometimes the right answer, but like Bill says, 95% of people don't want to be there. So how much money is it worth for you to have somebody in like me that can prevent some of these problems um, as opposed to an expense? So I think what we need to start thinking about as Canadians, um, yes, we have a social system where healthcare is free, air quotes, but I think if anybody has seen anything over the pandemic, it's how poor our healthcare system is. And we were just talking about that before we started recording. Um, I just think that we need to invest into preventative healthcare more so than reactionary health. So it doesn't work. Like, yes, if you fall down and break your leg, of course you have to go and get treatment for that, of course. But what if you had a dietitian that came in and taught you how to eat healthy so you didn't develop diabetes or heart disease in the first place. Preventing the envelope here. Yeah. It's very controversial. Well and I and it shouldn't be what it what it ends up doing is it takes a lot of the strain that we're feeling on the healthcare system away if you can do your very best to prevent certain things from even becoming a problem to begin with. Right? And, and I've discussed on my podcast more than once about the reaction of the healthcare system and how we don't put a lot of emphasis on prevention and you wait until there's disease to then treat it. Um, and even worse so during the pandemic when people couldn't get in to see their physicians on a regular basis, emergency <laughs> services increase exponentially because now they're coming in with a bunch of problems to the emergency room that should be taken care of by their medical doctor if they have one, which a lot of people don't in this province. 100,000 people are without a family physician here. So there's quite a few things that I, again, I don't make the decisions, but I have, I'm have. i very good at taking, getting ideas. <laughs> and having an opinion. So when I was in physio school, I did an exchange in Finland, and I saw how the Scandinavian healthcare system worked. And 
I was in awe because we had a client that needed a wheelchair. So that was just done for magic. You get a, a wheelchair for free. Um, and the lady that I was working with, physiotherapist, had to fill out these extra forms. And I was like, what are the forms for? Because they're in Finnish. I learned five words in five weeks. Like, <laughs> I remember Ulo's Alice was push and pull when you're getting somebody to move their arms for you. Um, and she said, oh, yeah, I'm filling out these forms because this person needs a second wheelchair for a sport if they wheelchair basketball. So it was just a matter of like filling out for a specific grant or program through the government. And not only did they get one wheelchair, but they got two. And then I came home and I worked in Valley Regional Hospital on a, a very busy orthopedic surgery ward. And we had three or four wheelchairs and everybody pretty much needed a wheelchair because they had just had surgery, mostly lower leg surgery. <clears throat> and I don't think one of those wheelchairs had all the equipment. Like, I remember we didn't have leg rest for one of them. The brakes didn't work on the other. And I'm like, but they just got two brand new wheelchairs for this stuff. Like it was, it was just like a ray of any kind of wheelchair you ever wanted. And I'm like, I think at that time they were paying 33% in sales tax and would pay for some of these. But I mean, we're taxed through the nine too. So the question whether we could do it better. And going back to the emergency room problem, what if they had a physiotherapist triaging all your musculoskeletal stuff in hospital? Well, right now in some of the hospitals, they actually have paramedics who are working alongside of the nurses. I know um, here in Sackville they do. Yeah. They're doing it down in the valley um, to have somebody triage some so, of the injuries they also do use them for things like stitches yeah. and but like physio could do all of your bone muscle joint stuff that comes in which is probably like a third of the er right now i would say right um and under the guidance of a physician they can take care of the x-rays the whole night well um a west <clears throat> i know in manitoba um they actually had uh, minor injury clinics instead of going to the ER and those were run by orthopedic surgeons but they had nurses and athletic therapists working underneath them the ATs did all of the um, casting but the physician basically there to look at the x-ray so the nurse would triage them through if they needed an x-ray they got an x-ray on site the ortho would come in give them the diagnosis send it to the back ATs would cast them Boy, they went. I just wondered too, because again, another thing we were talking about before we started recording was um, I recently was at a country and I was talking to a lady and they had x ray, mobile x ray teams that would come to your house. Yeah. Um, so I just wonder if we could do things a little bit better, streamline, definitely. So, like, gone are the days to wait three hours at Cabo Grid to get your blood taken, right? It's in and out now because they decided to set up a scheduling system for COVID. Yeah. Why wasn't that done 20 years ago? Well, they have a drive-through, a blood draw at um, Dartmouth. Yeah, well, that's what you used to do to get your COVID test. Right. right? So now they do the blood test the same way. Like, you book your appointment, you drive through the building, you take your blood, and you are out the other side. You're not sitting with a number for three hours in the hospital. Yeah, so that's huge, especially for people with mobility issues or, um, I mean, PTSD is huge now. Mm -hmm. 
So um, we have all of our Afghanistan veterans that are struggling or domestic violence or there's so many things like hospitals are huge triggers for people, especially because of COVID is, I mean, you have to give away your life even to get through the door. Like, you know what I mean? Like all the questions, it's very, um, I understand why they're doing it, but it's very invasive. Yes. Even wearing a mask, like if you have um, hearing impairment and you read lips, you know how devastating it is to go in where everybody's covered? You can't see a single face, not a single mouth, and you don't know what they're saying. Yeah, and I mean, I wore masks before the, the COVID occasionally, right? Yeah. I've been in surgeries and things, and the quality of the masks is, is not as good as it used to be. Like, you can almost feel the stuff coming off your face. and It I'm, starts I'm, to pill in the... Yeah. I'm questioning, like, the long-term effects of wearing these masks constantly. So it's different if you're a surgeon or whatever, but um, just any healthcare worker, whether it's floors or serves the meal, is covered all the time. And there has to be a psychological effect to that. Well, I think we know it. I think the research is there because, like, even early in COVID, they were talking about, like, soldiers being trained and they more readily would under shoot like under training the the you know the VR whatever covered it in the bandana the not right so mm -hmm. I mean I'm not minimizing COVID or anything people need to do to feel safe or what's required by lawyers and that I'm not getting to what's right or wrong but I just question the other side of the coin right? well at one point you couldn't enter buildings if you had your face covered because you were concealing your identity yeah and now it's it's normal <laughs> i saw somebody hat yep. sunglasses covered up in the face like it's like um what's the guy the invisible man yeah <laughs> like you're never gonna know if you could rob a bank and no one would know you would have no idea who the person was but um yeah it, it everything's changed but i mean what's very readily understandable is that healthcare needs to change and I think there's there's things happening but you know I think the private um, companies can maybe help speed that along so well money talks when it comes to that and the one thing that the government seems to have difficulty with is efficiency um everything has to top heavy and yeah and the focus sometimes isn't always in the right direction Right? Like we know here, the minute the government changed, a bunch of people got fired and we were supposed to see big changes. And to the general population, it's there's been no change for the positive. I, I wouldn't want to be in government. No. I wouldn't want to be that person. God, no. You look at other countries that have um, two-tier medical systems and... Yes, money is an issue, and if you don't have money, then, you know, maybe healthcare isn't as good. Um, but I'm scared. Like, I did um, a boxing uh, event weeks ago, and I just happened to meet a gentleman in the crowd that I know from hockey. And he told me that the healthcare system was so long of a wait to get his mother to have a, a hip replacement that he sent his mother to Mexico to get his hip replaced. And it was like... Right away, she was mm -hmm. recovering in the resort. Physio came right to the resort to do her rehab. And I'm like, I don't think Mexico is technically a third world country, but I mean, 
you see on the news thousands of people fleeing Mexico every day to the U.S. because it's such a horrible place to live, again, uh, air quotes. And our healthcare system is so poor that that's where he sent people to get his, his hip replaced because he didn't want to wait three years. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's telling and we need to change what we're doing. It doesn't have to be um, private healthcare too, because like I said, Scandinavian countries um, are socialist medicine and they're running it. And I, I don't see you waiting three years for any kind of a procedure in Sweden. I just can't see that ever happening. Right. So, so how are they managing the, or takes, the taxes money? And yeah, it takes three weeks to get an x-ray. At a client. Potential stress fracture. Three weeks. Yeah, but if there was a private company with a mobile actor that could come right to her door. And and she would have been able to cover it. She's got insurance. I'm sure it would have all been not a problem. But yeah, three weeks. And we don't also look at it as clearing up the rest of the system for everybody else to use as well, right? Because those lineups get so long. But we do that now. Because if you're military, you're out of the queue. Yeah. If you're workers' compensation, compensation. MBA, so car accident people, they're all out of the queue. So why can't the wealthy people or people with some insurance get out of the queue for all, all the other people? So I don't I don't know. I think it's a mind shift for sure because nobody wants to be the states. No. But nobody knows what's in the Navy. So like we can't. I think we need to develop a new system that is Canadian. So what meets our needs? Um, and I think it needs to be a blend because like physio has been two-tiered ever since I got into it, right? Have your yeah. publicly funded physio. So if you want to go to Clavoquid for your shoulder injury, you wait three years. You can get in a lot faster if you're post-surgery or break or something like that. But Or you can call up myself or any of the clinics in the area and be in within a day or two probably um but you gotta pay so you know I, I think that we need the social system where it's free because there's lots of people that can't pay or there's expensive things that we wouldn't be able to pay for but you know i don't know why we can't extend some of these public or publicly funded healthcare programs to into private so, like, get maple is now covered if you don't have a family doctor. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the online that you can get access to a physician. But if you can't get into your family doctor, walking's full, you can call up, and for $50, $70, you can be online with the doctor. And I, the last time I did it for a prescription refill, I waited seven minutes. To get a doctor. You can get to the walking clinic in that time. So... Um, it's online and it's all through um, text. So my online program um, allows you just to go video. Mm -hmm. um, psychology has embraced that thoroughly. Physio did initial as well. So there's a lot of um, psychologists that will never have a brick and mortar again because no. it's so much easier. It's private too because no one's going to see you in the waiting room. Um, and you can just do it in the protected room easier for a person running the business it's just they work, convenient. work in their pajama pants all day right yeah yeah um, but i mean i would love to have 
physician on board under my my business that you know sometimes it's really important to have physicians sort out some of these things so that I go into somebody's house and they their blister packs are half empty they're not taking their medication properly their blood pressure's off and you know I just need a doctor to be like can you see this person so like wouldn't it be amazing if we could just like you know for x number of dollars can I add it to your bill and so and so's online and in the time I'm actually there and we could in the seven minutes that it takes <laughs> to find a doctor just have that conversation and then have you there as well so that there's there's somebody who's understanding with the doctors is if they have any questions post you can, be I like, can do the vitals yeah. for the doctor on the yeah. too right so like physio a lot of people don't know the physio does blood pressures and you know I have an oxygen um monitor in my car at all times right so stethoscope but there's a lot of things I can't do obviously I'm not a doctor but I had a physician yeah. under my brand just text like, hey, can you take a client and clients on? That that would be good. I mean, in Nova Scotia, there's still healthcare workers that aren't working right now. It's a mandates too. So, or like I said earlier, I have a, a friend who works at an insurance company and she just hired three nurses full time to do insurance claims because they don't want to work in the system anymore. So there's lots of healthcare workers that are exiting Healthcare, for various reasons, um, have they have a different type of working environment? It's yeah. Well, they know the system's broken too. They're right in the middle of it. They see it constantly, every day. They know all the mistakes that are being made. And there is some brilliant minds working in some of those positions who feel like they're probably hitting their head against a wall because changes aren't being made, even under their suggestion. Yeah, I think that's typical. Any of the institutions I've worked at always had heavy upper, and even if they opened up questions to the people that are on the bottom level, I rarely saw those changes implemented. So it's pretty frustrating. Yeah, well, at some point you just give up, don't you? Yeah. And you either quit or you just go for your paycheck, and there's no interest in doing extra. So I think burnout's huge, and I think that's probably a, a big reason why some people are exiting healthcare. Um, I've known nurses that have been working like, vacation in the summer because they're so short-staffed, as opposed to you know places like France where I can get like six weeks vacation, you yeah. know, four or five right off the bat as a new grad, right? So like quality of life issue is. Um, is important and I think if you treat your employees well to um, value them then everybody's been had a boss that did that and everybody's had a boss that hasn't done it. and you know how you feel wake up in the morning and go to your job or you don't as opposed to waking up and be like is anybody really gonna miss me today well they will because they want you to do the work I yes. think, right <laughs> but how do you feel you know like I had a great employer and I was in high school I worked at a movie theater and I had so much fun. I still have lifelong friends that I married. And I remember one day, like when Austin Powers came out, I dressed up as a roller skating waitress and I roller skated the entire thing. Or the guy that mopped the floors in between shows had to help me across the way so I wouldn't fall on my butt. And like those memories are so great. And I mean, even when I worked in long term care, we used to get dressed up. I had I have a health costume that I wore every Christmas and when I worked at the long-term care facility, I worked almost every single day. It just brought joy to everybody. And yeah. 
I was okay being the silly, goofy person, right? But until I get them to do a lot more exercises the day I wore that than other ones, right? Yeah, because they were well entertained. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that comes back to what we were talking about before, about, like, enjoying life and laughing and seeing the quality in things. Because, like, when we did our um, virtual reality program, we had a, a gentleman who was in a wheelchair after a heavy stroke. And um, he had what we call... Um, neglect so the left side of his visual field he didn't attend to at all it's as if it didn't exist the way a stroke happened and he needed to go from his bedroom to the dining room for meals and he kept on banging against this wall on the left hand side over and over again because he didn't see the wall and I had a student who worked with him and all he did was watch fishing videos and old NHL games on the VR I'm telling you like for two or three sessions yeah all of a sudden, he saw his left-hand side, and he could get himself to dinner on his own. It was amazing how the brain worked. Something as simple as just sitting there with the VR headset on your head. Like, how easy is that? Would you think that's physio? Absolutely not. Is it physio? You're not going to have better stroke rehab. Like, you just aren't, right? Um, and the same thing with quality of life. Like, people that will never leave a facility. Maybe to go to the hospital, that's it. And they were flying planes. You know, where they were going back to their childhood hosts in Google or, you know, dancing or, you know, up in the NASA space station. Like there were so many, there was the skies were limit, literally like anything on the internet. You playing games. Um, yeah. And then we did the seated boxing program, same kind of thing. Lady who had pretty significant anxiety, mental health issues, and she had a, a pretty um, significant visual impairment. So just tracking, trying to see those black pads was, was hard for her. But I'll tell you, that woman loved to, she hit those pads so hard, she feels so good after. So like, I mean, if no antidepressant made her smile like that. Like she no. just loved it. So like, I think that we need a little bit more creativity. I think those stories should filter off to the people that make decisions. You know, so just think that. That's the most important part, the creativity. You know, finding a different way to do something to come to a solution, right? Well, when you're burnt out and you've done it for 20 years and nobody listens to you. And you pull an autopilot. And you yeah. just do, you can't get any vacation. Um, I don't think there's any interest there, right? Like, I, I think I think people just, we need to be shook up. And I think COVID did that for us. Like, at the very least, we all know what the problems are now. Um, and I don't even want to start talking about education because that's another whole big, huge. Well, that was a big explosion over COVID, is how that was approached. Well, I mean, and the idea I knew in my gut taking kids out of school would not. And we know kids, very few of them, had issues fighting off COVID. So, self in trouble. It's pretty controversial just saying that. <laughs> People what? have lost their Twitter status, what? but now it's yeah, true. Yeah, don't I worry. This isn't going to go on Twitter. You could. Well, Twitter's now letting most people crack open, so. Well, yeah, there's a whole... <laughs> the Twitter files is, like, big in the media now. But just, just my son, who has ADD, and he needs to move. And yep. he lost his sports team. That was... I mean, that's all... All you need to say, right? You know, his behavior plan is to move. And, you know, he didn't have organized sports. So, I remember the first full year of COVID, I managed his hockey team. 
and it was a godsend because otherwise I wouldn't have put it in those hockey games, right? Yeah. Like, we're not in the facility. So, yeah. and like we, we now know that education levels have decreased. And those kids that are in that learning how to read, like, are they going to help them? We, for a lot of their schooling, they seem to be set back to having to repeat a lot of the stuff from the previous year, right? Because so much wasn't done and anything that was done wasn't counted. And then, so the whole first half of the year coming back, teachers had to almost reteach the year below so that kids could get up to the standard that they needed to even be getting into the year. And so you're, you're starting so far back. And so at what point do we ever catch up or do they just leave those kids behind? Right. And, and well, now where are they left at? That's the problem because years ago, um, for whatever reason, educators had decided not to keep kids back. I think it had to do with social issues and things like that and peers. But, you know, when I was in school, if you didn't, make all the testing or whatever, you didn't graduate, you didn't pass to the next grade level, right? So that's no longer, so now you, it causes another issue, and I think it's compounded because of COVID, because now you have kids that are just in grade eight who never passed their grade six work, but have been passed along to the social dynamics. Now we have kids that have lost maybe two years of schooling, and it's stressful, right? So kids aren't gonna learn well when they're stressed, so I don't really know. And you're not really setting them up for success because once you get behind and you're noticed the kid is behind and everything is so much harder, they get discouraged. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to find motivation to try to get better when you, you can't catch up. Right? It's like getting out of credit card debt. Good luck. Yeah. You almost have to like declare they, bankruptcy and start again. Yeah. How do you do that with your education? And maybe they do. Maybe they get to a point where they go into something. Maybe they're not going to become a doctor. Maybe they're going to like go into a trade or something like that, right? So I think that there's hope. It's just, again, I think we need to step, step back and change the way we look at success in our country. Yeah, in our the world. perspective of, of the whole idea of what success is. And I think I would I would almost push to say that success is happiness and health right not always just to make the most money which well, when, i think is what we're when really do we pushing. encourage when do we encourage that it's tough too because i've i've talked to a few people about this as well about when you had mentioned the bringing a dietitian into somebody's house so that they could learn how to eat um properly or even just be able to make their own food and know what they should be feeding themselves to prevent disease. Grow garden. Kids. I'm really going on the limb. <laughs> right? But like that's like, the Why are we stuff. not why, teaching why growing is... gardens in school? Because that is a life skill like swimming, you know? Well, and it's funny you um, say that, but back home in Saskatchewan, the elementary school has gardens that the kids, they compost, they plant, they weed. I think they're why, starting why be... to do that here, but it's very much an extracurricular project. As very selective, being, yeah. Like, what do you need to live? Maybe that should be your core essentials, right? Read, write, yes, of course, math. But 
maybe math should be set up a budget. So like I remember what? accounting. <laughs> trust me, I hated statistics and stuff like that. I right? know. But like there was a project that circles around every year in a Facebook meme or whatever. And I think it was in the Yukon. And what they did is they set up a project for like a month or something. And it's kind of like the game of life. You have to pull how much money you're going to make, what you're going to do, whatever. And um, there's a set amount of money to go around. But you have to pay for your housing, pay for your food and all the other expenses in life, right? So you're always having one kid that wants a Lamborghini and he blows all his money and he's like, you have to the rest of the month kind of thing. Right? Yeah. But that's okay because then they learn, do they really, like, how important is a Lamborghini versus actually eating properly or being able to go to a movie or whatever else they need to do? You know, do you want to live in a tent for the summer or do you want to live oh, right. Yeah. But so they did this and it was kind of done like a trade show at the end of the month or term or whatever. And they had to go around to the different and see like who was doing what and um you know like mock interviews or job interviews those kind of things i don't know i just think in the pandemic so many people had their you know, learn how to make sourdough bread type thing right yeah that was a big yeah so i actually got a sourdough starter one of my friends <laughs> <laughs> but like why are we not making our own food? Like, 100 years ago, that wasn't, like, there wasn't convenience. There wasn't, like, walk into the grocery store and get anything. You went out and milked the cow or bartered with your neighbor for milk and eggs and all those kind of things. So, you know, I know a friend that got chickens over there, right? So, I just feel like going back to some of those basic fundamentals. Like, I think we really should know how to grow a garden. Like, well, we food. Should, everybody should know how to hunt. Like, I know I'm really going out there. In terms of what politics are talking about guns and stuff but like i i'm a like i have my firearms course and you know if i had to go hunting for my food i probably couldn't but i i feel like that should be taught to everybody even if it's just snaring a rabbit survival there's a big disconnect between food and um and where it actually comes from for people it's in the fridge there's no well, and then you're there's no knowing GMO where it's coming and chemicals and processing and how do you get your bread to live on the counter for three weeks you put a bunch of crap in it so that it doesn't go moldy yeah as opposed to homemade bread that goes moldy in two or three days it's supposed to do that so it has to be healthier the closer you are to nature right but we're eating bread that has chemicals in it so it doesn't go that well, it's just an example of it has to like that's just biology, right? And that educating on nutrition is, is something that gets passed down. Like if yeah. you don't know, you can't teach somebody else, and and it just gets perpetuated in, in the family. But we have this beautiful institution of school that is supposed to teach you those things. If you don't have the knowledge at home, that they should bring that in. Like, why is food something that isn't talked about more? Because they do take a small course in high school, but it's like the food they teach them to make isn't a meal. It's like, here, make these cookies. Yeah, we did oh, home nice. ec, right? Yeah, and home ec is very... We know what can happen when trade routes get disrupted, right? Like, yeah. Some people lost their ability to get toilet paper. Or the lettuce situation, we're paying $9 for a head of lettuce. I was in the middle of summer. Go outside and cut yourself some lettuce because you grew your, put your seeds on the ground in April, right? Like, it shouldn't yeah. have been a crisis. We should have all. And I mean, 
I think community gardens are great. And I think that if you are the one that grows the lettuce and I grow the tomatoes and we barter back and forth and, you know, like I think that that is something that should be done more often. And it's not hard. It's just a matter of a little bit of organizing and then it becomes together again too, which I did see more of in the pandemic, which was surprising because everybody was isolated, but I found more people helping the neighbor out, um, maybe from a distance, but like it well, then they were bringing things to each other. So mm-hmm. if um, if you were isolating because you had COVID, quite often people would come and drop things off at your front step so that you didn't have to leave because you quite literally physically couldn't. And everybody knew that you couldn't leave and wanted to support the fact that now that you've tested positive, we don't want to keep spreading it. So we'll help you out because we're actually helping ourselves by helping you. So yeah. we'll come in and we'll assist you. And people came together in that. And because everybody knew we were kind of all going through the same thing where we couldn't leave our homes and we were isolated, they almost wanted to connect with you more, again, via Zoom or other ways so that they didn't feel as lonely. And there was a little bit more of that connection. Now, not everybody but yeah, there was but, some I mean, more reaching out yeah and mental health is 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 very in the media now too mm-hmm. so i think hopefully we'll get some more supports um yeah do you I find in is... your job though that you're kind of that connection for mm-hmm. a lot of people in home care like so, you're the people that you might be the only person they see yeah i'm i'm not a mental health specialist i'm not allowed to practice oh, mental for sure. health yes. under my brand but that's 90 percent Right. And that's the big push to make. Like my job is to make somebody smile every day. Yes. I want to take their pain away. Yes. I want to get them able to do the stairs. Um, recently I've got an 80 year old on and off the floor because he was tripping a lot and lowering himself to the ground. And his wife had an injury of herself. She couldn't help him up. So she was like, you need to teach him how to get up off the floor. So we literally got the crash mat out, like from my kids, gymnastic mat or whatever from Ikea. And we got him up and down off the floor several times while he had a little stumble, ended up on the floor in the bathroom, didn't hurt himself. And, um, and she said by the time I could get there, he was up on his feet. She's like, thank you so much because, like, you know, um, yeah. So, I mean, the mental health of caring for somebody, right? Yeah. This woman having to, like, panicking about him, wandering at night, and is he going to fall, and and he has a big black eye and like that's really hard on your mental health but you know, those little things it, it really if you have someone who knows what they're doing and they go in and see what the issues are and get the buy-in i think i get more buy-in from home care clients than i ever did in hospitals um because or in clinics especially because first you know what you're dealing with you know if they're a hoarder you know if they have animals underneath their feet oh if you know, they love fishing because everything's fish on the wall or whatever. And you can buy into, you know, you can, I think too, also I should get experience doing something for a while. Um, I've been practicing for more than 15 years now. And you just see what's important to people. Set up exercises or adaptations or loss prevention strategies that allow them to understand why it's important to them. So talk about in business, what is their why? Why why are they buying for My clients are buying from me because they want um, to do whatever independence they want 
right? So one of it might be this gentleman's wife's boy is to keep him off the floor, or if he gets on the floor, then he can get up himself. Um, had other clients, like I had one lady, she broke her leg, and her daughter was considering putting her into a retirement home. She lived alone, and she could barely walk. Worked with her for a couple months, and she went down to see her granddaughter get married in Boston. So that was her why. She told me about her granddaughter on the first day and this wedding, and she didn't want to miss it. And I was like, okay, we've got some work to do. And she wasn't an exerciser, so I only gave her two or three things to do. And um, she did them. She was walking two flights of stairs by the time a couple minutes rolled over. So she went to that wedding. She was like, I don't need you anymore. I'll see you later. And then she had a trip planned to go by herself to visit family in Toronto. So I'm by herself. And those are the stories that I, you know, I get out of bed for that, right? I want to see yeah. these people enjoy their lives. As people age and they are isolated, often what they, they don't enjoy their lives anymore. And saying limited social contact, as we all now know, is mm. devastating sometimes, right? So your mobility is huge. Whether it's for pain, breathing, or injury, or balance, you need to be able to move to just pain in life, really. That may be in wheelchair. It's yeah. totally fine. Still but, living. Yeah, a former client of mine from long-term care that I worked at. Um, I just met her at the Walmart in Halifax, and she got herself on the bus to meet me at Walmart. She's in a power wheelchair, so much, and she had it back. So, um, again, they, stepping back and thinking, what success? What does mobility do? As long as you can get around. I just think that. No, and it doesn't even have to be leaving absolutely. It could just be being able to get in the bathroom by yourself, shower, even with support. Can't swim in tub, toilet. These are all things that people take for granted. You can always get better at it. Well, and if you want to be able to, like you said, not be transferred into a home, you need to be able to do those things in life to be able to stay in your own home. A simple act of like, sitting on the toilet and getting up again, but understanding that there are also some assists you can bring in. You know, there are bars that can allow you to do it for longer. And implementing small things throughout your day, again, it doesn't have to be setting aside an hour every day to do your exercises. You need to find movement that doesn't feel like work so that you can stay consistent. Because consistency is the biggest piece of maintaining your abilities in your own home. Yeah, I mean, you come to physio once a week. Don't even bother if you don't do anything the rest of the week, right? Yeah. So sometimes I tell people if they're working on lower um, body strength, every time you get up, sit back down and do it again. Yeah. Maybe two or three times. Every time you get up from a chair, um, and then you go in 20 or 30 squats into your day. And that's one of the most functional things is standing up and sitting back down. It's often what people will get as an exercise in some capacity because you do it so many times a day. Yeah. And so many people have challenging to do it, balance, strain, even just blood pressure issues, right? It's it's such a simple thing. And I think that's why I don't prescribe the two, three pages of exercises to do three times a week. I do two or three small things to do every single day, several times a day. So build it into your everyday as opposed to 
blocking out that time that you have to just focus on it. And I think if by doing that too, you show people that it is about being functional, right? It's not just about building those obscure exercises that don't apply to your everyday. Because there's a lot of people that can't put two and two, like that, the exercise that you're doing in the gym, you know, the external rotation of your shoulder, how that applies to being able to reach up into your cupboard and pull a cup. Or a glass out. Yeah, and I think you also still like I spent a um, couple months just diving into how people create habits. Yeah. So I read a couple books and listened to a bunch of podcasts. And if you look at the psychology of habit formation, it's consistency, and it's also tying it to something that's already a habit. Yes. So um, often I will say, do your balance exercises when you're brushing your teeth. So if you stand on one foot or come up on your tiptoes. Or, you know, if you have two teas a day, just say it takes 45 seconds for the kettle to boil. I don't know what it takes, but um, that's when you do your tennis balls. Every time the kettle's boiling, while you're waiting for the kettle, go sit in the dining room, stand up to sit down 10 times. Okay, then I am the 10, because you know, the 10's Elizabeth's favorite number. <laughs> it's a magical <laughs> number, that 10, isn't it? <laughs> but, like, you have to build it. In. So, okay, so we're approaching New Year's. Yes. So in a couple of days, everybody's going to have these grandiose things that they're going to do. And by the middle of January, most of them will fall off. So why? Because it's, the bar is set too high, right? Small changes over time make better. 100% a day. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to go to the gym four times a day or four times a week and for an hour. No, like it's not going to happen. Very few people will um, maintain that range. But if you say, I'm going to move for 20 minutes a day, just move some capacity. That could be taking your dog for a walk that sniffs every telephone pole. Um, it could be going for a swim. It could be, you know, just doing a whole YouTube video. It could be dancing in the kitchen with your kids. Like, it could be anything, right? But just, just move for 20 minutes a day. But that's, that's an achievable thing, or 10, or 5, whatever it is, right? But if you dumb it down to the very small things and it's more achievable so well and then with that success you can build but if you look at completely flip turning your life upside down it's very hard to maintain that because you've made too many changes and you've completely altered every habit in your life if you're not used to going to the gym your motivation is going to fall off because yeah, I failed as a gym goer many, many, many times. Because and I actually just, had yeah. to commit to personal training with my kickboxing coach. And I'm still not as good as I should be. Because life happens, right? Kids, yeah. hockey, game at the same time, those kind of things, right? But, um, you know, you have to put the money into it. So for me, when I do my once-a-week personal training, um, and then accountability. So they talk about accountability buddies and business same thing as a gym buddy right you're more apt to go to the gym in the morning if you meet with somebody you don't want to let the person down yeah. more than you want it, want it for yourself so um or you know laying with your exercise clothes like one last thing for you to actually i'm a physiotherapist i've heard all the excuses i yeah, can come up with one yeah any problem right yeah but um some people has gone as far as sleeping in their exercise clothes so they'll actually get up and go so and the accountability is huge. Um, if you go upstairs, you'll see my vision boards and my you know, charts is like um, some kind of reward. So um, one of the ladies in a 
uh, business group that I go to, actually, where we met. She said that when she met her goal for the year, um, she was going to order herself a red song. So that was her big business goal for the year. So she was working along towards that. So you can also have like little money things that fill out the temperature gauges or whatever, like visual. Yeah. Um, and every time you get, so that's, that was probably financial goal, I think for her business, but, um, you know, you can have the big huge trip at the end of the year, or you can have some small things. So like if I move 20 minutes a day this week, at the end of the week, I'll treat myself to whatever. Increase the motivation. So you've got your motivator, your accountability, and having small attainable goals as opposed to uptrain. Because there is that idea that, you know, if you change 100% today and then you don't do anything for the rest of the year, you've really gone no farther ahead. But if you give yourself 1% each day, you're going to move that lot quicker. Yeah, and if you think about evolutionary change would equal death to a lot of animals, right? Yes. So moving locations, um, changing habits, you know, we need pack, we need the consistency, we need the routine. So our bodies may not really understand that change can be good because our bodies don't necessarily think whether it's good or bad or whatever and health happy. They just want to like it intuitively our bodies want to survive. So doing anything different may rock about some capacity and cause problems, right? Because of fear of uncertainty and the unknown. But I think that's why we need to set up all these other things, like the rewards and the accountability person. Or, you know, it could be just as simple as, like, I have to send an email to my mom or my friend after everything. And after she gets six emails, then we can go and have a nice coffee or whatever, right? So um, I, I think that change is hard and... Of course, everybody struggles with it. But what do you want in your life? Well, what is where are you? Where do you want to be? How long is it going to take to get there? How do you get there? So sometimes they talk about seeing what you want and and creating a map, but working backwards, right? So, well, and people often overestimate what they can get accomplished in a day, but underestimate what they can get accomplished in a year because they haven't taken their year-long goal and really bite-sized it down to be like. I don't need to do that overnight. <laughs> I have 365 days or, or however they set up their goal, even for six months. And you're like, I don't have to do it all today. There are more days in the week. So no, my 10 pounds don't need to be off in four weeks and then gain it all back. And then some over the next six months, like it's small, 1%, take bite-sized pieces, and I mean, weight loss itself. Why do you lose weight? <laughs> well, the why. why Nobody likes to, to go into the why. Number. Yeah. Why is it because you get breathless when you go up the flight of stairs? So maybe that should be the goal instead of the number of the scale. Yeah. Because I've my weight's fluctuated so much. I gained twenty over COVID. I had a bunch of stress, and then eventually one day it just kind of dropped right off, and I don't even know how that happened. But um. I'm wondering if, if goals, health goals should be more about like, like the smart goals, right? Functional, attainable, whatever, right? What do you want to, what can't you do and what you want to do versus, so is it you know, not being breathless at the top of the stairs, being able to get on and off the floor like the gentleman? Yeah, um, yeah. Could it just be 
um, like females especially are always interested in scale math. And um, well, we often math. pick something very arbitrary, right? Be a size four or size six. Yeah. Why? Care about that? Yeah. Bodies are amazing. Grow humans. They can heal after being cut. Like there's so many things about the body that do you, you know, I think that. It's our vessel of our soul, right? It's the thing that carries us around spiritually or not. Mm -hmm. um, I used to be that, of course, right? Every young woman growing up looked at magazines. Now it's social media. And none of the social media models actually look like that because they're all airbrushed and fake. Yeah, filters and all that. And I just, I question if that's the most important thing. If it's. 10k or whatever you want to do with your life and your health for a lot of people it's a simple act of moving pain free um but they also put a big part into like i want to be smaller because i will be happier if i'm small oh yeah i gave that up <laughs> right um i read i think it's called the happiness project yep i read it too so like why what makes you happy and it's, it's probably good maybe another reread yeah that one's an, a nice one to come back to especially yeah. when people start talking about their goals at the beginning it's kind of something i don't set any i, d I don't do the year goal setting and, thing and when it comes to yeah i don't do resolutions i um i reflect on kind of what happened in the last year and I set my sights for like what I want to accomplish kind of personally and professionally owning a business. I have business goals, mm -hmm. um, but I'm not going to sit there and be like, I want to lose 10 pounds. Like when I did CrossFit, I would set a goal of improving a movement skill mm -hmm. or being able to accomplish, like being able to move more weight, especially with like squats and deadlifts, because I found like, setting a functional goal like that um it felt better but like resolutions are not my cup of tea when it comes to oh i need to lose 10 pounds do you know of anybody who has set a new year's resolution and achieved it well that's the thing it's some people like this, like this lost 50 pounds or whatever but was that set for new years or was that right summer retirement i don't think the statistics are very good on people setting <laughs> resolutions but I, 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 again, like the, the couple months that I really dove into the podcast on habit formation and read a couple books, like, you know, going back to the experts, right? So the psychologists that have studied habit formation and what did they say? There's this neuroscientist who has a podcast you should check out. She's from Australia. She says, I'd have to look it up what it is, but she's hilarious. She's um, colorful with her language. Oh, perfect. Then I'll definitely have to listen to her. <laughs> so I'm going to look it up right now. She, um... She has a few minutes every podcast. So just say our podcast, 45 minutes. She would spend 10 or 15 minutes on the neurophysiology of something. Yeah. Which is usually completely unrelated. And then her podcasts often have to do with um, uh, empowerment and saying with people and those kind of things is great. She's hilarious. So then it's just going back to the stuff I learned in school, right? Like how neurons fire and 
I think starting with habits, learn on habits is good too, because she talks about how the nerves will wire together based on what you do. So like if you're always hitting the snooze button, your nerves get used to that. And that's like the, the freeway, right? That's the easiest way for your brain to work. And then you're saying, oh, I'm going to get up at six o'clock all of a sudden every day, come New Year's Day. You take in the country little road, it has all the detours that no one wants to take, right? So you're creating a new nerve pathway. It's hard. And it's something that you need to really be um, set on and have all these supports in place because it's not an easy thing. It's not going to be an easy pathway to reconfigure. And you're right, on the habit loop, to implement a change within a habit is easier if it's already developed. So making you know, a cue or a reward change mm -hmm. in that habit loop is much easier than creating a whole new habit. Um, so do you your exercises while your kettle's boiling? While your kettle's boiling. So you're going to do the boiling every time. Yeah. And you put a little sticky beside your kettle. Nice little reminder, yeah. do it now. And then the motivation doesn't need to be recreated as well, right? You're not setting aside I think it's 28 days in a row. Yes. To create um, a habit. Yeah. To create a new habit. So that's have to do with the nerve system firing so many times and then it's like an efficient pathway for your brain to fire without so much thinking. So like how many people are driven to work and for like God, have to <laughs> You're still safe, but yes. your brain has done it so many times that they don't have to look it up as opposed to driving in a big city that you've never been to. Or like, like listening oh. to the new navigation and having to like when you're looking for a place, turn down the radio. Oh, when you're parking in the yeah. so why does my, why am I hearing not like I can't listen? I can't to the radio. listen to this and like do what I'm doing. Yeah, oh, no, multitasking. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's um, I do find habits fascinating and the neural pathways of of habits, and I do have some books that I could probably recommend to you. And even that one percent a day, there's a book called Talent Code. That one's an interesting one. Oh, you have to listen to this podcast. Perfect. She's hilarious. Just trigger warning. She's going to swear. Well, I'm okay with that. I can handle that because I have sometimes have a trigger warning on here about me being colorful. So it'll work well. Oh, well, it's been an hour. Oh, wow. So instead of eating up any more time, because I know yeah. you have things to do. For sure. Um, thank you so much. And I'm definitely going to be showing up again at your house, too visit your puppy and to do another podcast. <laughs> we actually put the cat, uh, the dog up because she was so excited um, to hang out with you. Yeah. I'm excited. Um, do you want me to tell everybody where they can find me? Yeah, that would be wonderful. So Safe at Home Physiotherapy is the um, name of my company, and I'm Joni Snare. And you can reach me by phone or text at 902-809-1793 or by email at joni at safeathomephysio.ca site is safeathomephysio.ca and on socials you can find me at safeathomephysio. Perfect. Well all yeah. that will be linked in the description and awesome. I will tag you in social media. Sorry. It was lovely speaking to you today. Yeah, it's wonderful. Oh, thanks so much. You're welcome. Thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. You can follow us on Instagram for skate therapy as well as on Facebook. Visit our website at www.forskatetherapy.ca and check us out on YouTube. Our handle is Forskate Therapy. I hope you have a lovely day. Take care. And remember your health. <laughs>